Welcome to Wiseish with Dr. Kavita Sun. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you all the tools that I learned over the last 10 plus years to be able to go from feeling overwhelmed emotionally and struggling in my relationships to now being able to have emotional maturity, steadiness and thriving relationships and to be able to set and achieve big goals. It took me a long time and a lot of trial and tribulation to get to this point. And my goal in sharing this podcast is to hopefully shorten your time gap to get to where you want to go. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Hello, hello my friends. Happy Thursday. We are in episode 8. Oh my goodness, how time flies. I cannot wait to get into today's. Today is the emotional freedom formula and this is sort of the cornerstone of what I teach. Um of course in uh, our mastery membership monthly program we go much deeper where we actually show you how to master this and customize it to your life. But here I just want to give you an overview and even with this overview you'll be able to take this and use it today. Okay? So today's episode is for you if you want to stop feeling overwhelmed and easily irritated and want to feel inner peace and freedom even if the people around you and the situations around you are not going your way right it's very easy to feel peaceful and at ease when things are going our way i mean that doesn't require any effort right it's ego sometimes feeding our ego and of course we all feel good but when things don't go our way when disappointment or hurt or conflicts or disagreements or uh shame guilt sadness when these things happen and they will because you are a human being having a human experience which means you're going to have those experiences coming and going throughout your life so it's not a matter of if they happen it's a matter of when they happen when they happen to you you want to have a way to be able to manage and meet them without crumbling without reacting in ways that actually complicate the issue i often say pain is inevitable but suffering is optional right so life will hand you moments of pain that's inevitable but whether you add to it and cause your own suffering for weeks and months and years after the original pain hits that is optional and so this process is not a way to avoid all pain right that's an illusion and when we try to chase that illusion you're going to you're going to suffer more in fact so this is not to try to get rid of any uncomfortable emotions or pain this is a process to reduce your needless suffering so that you don't get quick uh stuck in the quicksand that we've talked about in earlier episodes okay all right so emotional freedom formula there are three questions that i want you to ask yourself the next time you have um some discomfort or some pain or a situation that you're dealing with that you don't know what to do and it's causing a lot of angst right maybe you're in one of those moments right now as you're listening to this 
And if you're not, it will come, right? It'll come later today or tomorrow or next week, inevitable. So when that happens, I want you to ask yourself three questions. These three questions are the foundation of emotional freedom, okay? If you're taking notes, this is a good time to write these three things down. The first question I want you to ask yourself when you are in that state is, am I shoulding? Okay, what is shoulding? Shoulding is looking at either ourselves or other people or the situations and events in the world and telling yourself that it should be different. I should have done that differently. I should feel differently. I should act differently. They should have different opinions. He should be on time. She should care more about this project. He should, um, you know, make this decision versus that decision with regard to finances or parenting, whatever it is. When we are shooting ourselves or other people or events in the world, we will not ever have emotional freedom. Why is this? See, events out in the natural world are always neutral. Let me explain that a little bit more. I've told you that pain exists, right? That's inevitable. So when I say pain exists, what I mean is discomfort exists. But we can't really determine if any event is good or bad because even something that was really painful two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, we don't know if that same person who went through that painful thing would describe it as having been the most important, most life-changing or even life-affirming event that happened to them, right? Now, they're never going to say it was pleasant. Of course not. Painful things are painful. But good and bad adds a layer of permanence and morality to largely neutral events. Now, that does not mean that we don't have preferences, right? You being a unique human being, you're going to have preferences that are different from your spouses, from your children, from your parents, from your siblings, from your colleagues and friends and neighbors. Of course, you're going to have different preferences. The awareness, the wisdom here is to recognize them as preferences, not as rules, not as moral shoulds, okay? So the first question I ask myself when I am feeling stuck and uh, feeling a lot of angst is, am I shooting? Am I shooting either myself or another person or some event out in the world? And if I am, just the fact that I notice, oh, this is why I am suffering because I'm shooting and I can have a preference but I want to be open to the fact that they are mere preferences. This is also true if the other person is having a lot of strong emotion towards you and they're very angry with you and they're telling you what you should do and should think and should be. 
When you have the wisdom that even that is only a preference, it's their preference, even though they are mistakenly adding a layer of moral judgment and shooting on top of it, you know that it is merely a preference. And you get to decide if you want to go along and agree with that preference and make that your preference as well or not. Everyone has the freedom to choose their own preferences. Okay, so that's the first question I asked myself. And just that question has reduced my suffering in so many instances by about half. Just by asking that question and immediately a veil lifts. It's almost like I can feel a veil lifting in my, in my mind's eye and I can see things more clearly. And the angst and the push and pull and the quicksand struggle lifts. And there is relief just in asking that question with complete awareness and um, willingness to see things as being mere preferences. Okay. The second question I ask myself is, am I actually feeling my feelings? which means I'm processing them, which means I'm feeling them as energy in my body and allowing them to be, right? Remember, they're just passengers in my bus. If I am trying to cling on to them or trying to push some of my feelings out the bus or I'm trying to ignore them, that's going to get me in trouble, right? Because whatever I resist or react to, is going to get compounded. If I say, I don't want to feel angry, it's that person's fault. Why does he make me so angry? And he should change and she should change. That's me resisting anger. I don't want to feel anger. So I'm looking for all these explanations of why I shouldn't be angry right now. That sort of resisting or reacting or ignoring by buffering, right? which might be uh, watching Netflix for hours on end or doing drugs or overeating or shopping. None of those things are good or bad in themselves. It's the, if you're using them primarily to distract yourself from feeling. Why is that a problem? Because your feelings don't just disappear just because you ignore them or resist them. They just compound within you and eventually they are going to burst out either as a confrontation or as passive aggressive leaks. They never go away. The more you resist, the more you ignore, the more you uh, react and push and pull and analyze them, the bigger they become. And eventually it will have, the pressure has to get released either in a big loud bang or in small, sneaky, passive aggressive ways. So that's the second question I ask myself. Am I actually naming and feeling and allowing my feelings as sensations in my body? Or am I resisting, reacting and distracting myself? Because if I'm resisting, distracting, or uh, reacting, I am in for more compounded suffering. Okay? So 
Now we come to the third question. The third question is, who am I being? Okay. And I cannot do this. This third step will not work if you haven't done the second step of actually allowing your feelings to be as sensations in your body and being fully present to that and allowing that. That's when it actually subsides. Research has shown that if we label our feelings as body sensations and we give our awareness to just the body sensation without compounding it with analysis and thoughts, if we just watch the sensation, it takes about 60 to 90 seconds. So less than two minutes for that sensation to peak and then pass completely gone. The reason that that's so hard for us is because even though we're noticing the sensation, we're still feeding it with these thoughts about another person and what they should have done or what we should have done in the past or how our past should have been different or how, you know, a situation is unfair. We feed it with our thoughts, which is why the sensation keeps compounding, right? So unless you are willing to watch the sensation purely as a sensation alone and allow it to be and give enough room for it, only then will you ride that wave and the intensity will come down. Only at that point can you do number three of the freedom formula. You cannot jump to number three because you still have all the pent-up pressure of the emotions, right? Even if you feel numb, people sometimes tell me, well, when I try to look inside my body for what, what are my sensations feeling like, I don't feel anything. I feel numb. That, my friend, is resistance. It is your mind's resistance to feeling sensations in your body. And oftentimes, those of us who are very intellectually driven, we have forgotten how to connect with our bodies. I used to be like that too. When I started this process, I couldn't feel anything in my body. I just would feel blah, numb. And so I started saying, okay, where do I feel numb most? And I would start there and I would notice and just be with the numbness and just keep watching it and describing it in my mind, the sensation. I would say, oh, it's around my stomach. It feels kind of light and it's moving like gas and... I just would describe the numbness. And over time, I was able to sense other emotions in my body as well. But you got to start with whatever you're able to sense, even if it's numbness, even if it's resistance, even if you feel tightness because your body and your mind is saying, this is stupid, this won't work. That's resistance. Start there. Just notice the resistance. Describe the resistance to yourself. Be with the resistance and it will abate, and then the next layer of emotion will come up, and you'll be with that. And in a few minutes, you will have rid, sort of gone, surfed that emotion as a wave, and it will have settled down, the intensity of it would have settled down. Only then can you go to point number three, okay? The third question to ask yourself is, who am I being, okay? What kind of identity and way of being and belief systems am I bringing to this situation? Why is that the third question? 
because the way we think of ourselves, right? What is my identity with regard to this issue? Whatever the issue is that you're dealing with, how you think of yourself and your beliefs about yourself and about the world with respect to that issue, those determine your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and the reality that you end up creating in your life. I'll give you an example. If you, uh, let's say you're married to somebody who runs late chronically, okay? They're often 15 minutes late, you're all in the car, and that's when they're running to change clothes, or, you know, you have a friend who says that, you know, you'll have dinner at five o'clock and they always come at 5.30. Somebody in your life that you care about runs late chronically, right? And if your belief about it is, I shouldn't have to put up with this. I am being disrespected. That person is lazy. People who run late are lazy and careless and selfish, right? If that is the identity that I have, I am being disrespected, I'm the victim here, and they are blah, blah, blah. That's your belief about the world. And your belief about the kind of people who run late are people who are lazy and selfish. That's your belief about that issue. You can rest assured that the thoughts and feelings and your actions that follow from that way of being and that identity is going to cause you more suffering. Because what is the first law? There's no point in shooting. There are no rules. There's no moral, better way to be. There are only preferences. So you are violating the first law when you go into they should be like this and the world should be like this and the world should run like this and I'm being the victim and I see myself as, you know, being disrespected. When we do that, we just, we violate the first law. And so you are going to be in for many thoughts and feelings that follow from that belief that will compound that suffering for you. And you will end up acting out in ways either you will refuse to um, hang out with a person and, you know, tell yourself it serves them right. And then you'll be upset because they don't seem to care. Or you will um, say something angry to them and they'll get defensive. And then it causes more suffering for both parties involved. Or we end up leaking it out in passive-aggressive ways, making comments or venting and gossiping about that person to other people. All of which compounds suffering. Right? So the third question is, who am I being? What identity am I taking on in this situation? And what are my beliefs about the world and how it should be or how another person should be with respect to this issue. What am I, what is my identity and what are my beliefs with regard to this issue? When you know that, you will clearly see that from that is flowing your thoughts and feelings and you're ending up taking actions that is worsening the situation for you, not for the other person. They may not even know that you're suffering you are worsening your own suffering. So the last question is, who am I being? And
and what beliefs do I have, right? And when I see that clearly, if I have done step two, where I have fully processed my feelings and I'm not having this intense, irrational anger and uh, primitive brain quicksand struggle, right? If I've done that work, then when I ask this question, I can look at it calmly. And then I ask myself as a follow-up, what identity and belief do I need to take on that would reduce my suffering? Okay. <clears throat> and for, for this example, with somebody running chronically late, the belief may be, I have complete freedom to go and be there. And if that person is not there within 15 minutes, I will leave. There's no anger. There's no shooting. There's nothing. It is purely a preference and I will leave. I will let them know, hey, honey, I know you tried, you sometimes run late. I don't have time beyond 5.15. I know we said we'd meet at 5. If in case you're not there by 5.15, I'll have to leave and we'll try to meet up another time. Right? Taking on the identity of, I am free to live out my preferences without anger or forcing it on someone else. Right? I can take on the belief that there are multiple ways to live life. There are millions, billions of people who run late in this world and they are all loved in their own way. They have nourishing working relationships. And so given that that person tends to chronically run late, it's likely not an issue that's going to fix itself. So instead of harping on it, I can choose to take on the identity of this is my preference and this is how I will honor my preference and still love the person. I can choose to believe that people who run late are completely lovable. In fact, they are being loved right now in this moment all over the world. And it is my choice. Notice when I take on that belief and that identity, the thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and the reality that I create reduces suffering. Not just for me, but for everybody involved. It increases freedom and ease and unconditional way of seeing the world, not just for me, but for everybody around me. What is truly good for you, what is truly something that reduces your suffering, will automatically reduce suffering for those around you as well. Okay? So... Those, my friends, are the three questions of emotional freedom formula. One, am I shooting? What do I need to do to let go of shooting? And notice that these are mere preferences. I can hold on to my preference. They can hold on to theirs. But there is no moral superior right rule. Number two, am I resisting, reacting, or distracting myself from my feelings regularly? 
if I am, that is going to increase my suffering because it's going to compound and burst or leak out. Number three, after I have processed the physical sensation of the emotion fully so that the intensity then comes down, then number three is who am I being? What is my identity and what is my belief in this situation? How is that influencing my thoughts, feelings, actions, and the results that I'm creating? And what belief and identity do I need to take on that would reduce my suffering and in turn produce freedom for me and freedom for the world? So if you found this helpful, please Comment below and let us know in the comments. Give us a review. Let me know what you thought of this. If you have any questions as you are using these three questions for your own emotional freedom, if you have any stumbling blocks, any questions or any feedback, let me know in the comments. Please, I want to hear from you. Also, if you want a little PDF, a sort of a cheat sheet, if you will, that shows you this emotional freedom formula, that is in one sheet that you can just fold and keep in your bag and take out at any time. It's in the show notes. So please go get that little one sheeter and share it. Share it with your family. Share it with your children. Teach them what you've learned about how to move towards emotional freedom. Because when you do, when you practice emotional freedom and you teach other people emotional freedom, that's how whole families and communities change. So you can do your part today by downloading that one sheeter, filling it up for yourself, and then teaching one other person this process. Spread the love. All right, my friends. I love you all so much. I look forward to hearing uh, down below. Please give us a review if you found this helpful. Love you. Bye.